0: Hi, guys. Hi, Danielle. How's it going? A big good, good. I'm bringing this up just as a precaution, um, and we'll go. see. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, yes. I feel like every time I, I bring it up, I don't cry, and every time I don't bring it up, I do cry, and so I'm just, we're, we're playing with it here. We'll see. We'll see. Well, welcome. We are still in our series, The Genesis of Relationship, Sex, and Identity. Wow. And I have the honor of speaking on being a single-bodied being, a.k.a. singleness. (laughs) Everyone's like, I did not come up for that. That one does not sound like my kind of message. Um, But no, I think it's going to be really great. I'm honored to get to be in the series. We started off with Cody, who spoke on uh, our bodies and us being a bodied being. And then we had Pastor James who talked about being in relationships and how we interact with one another. And tonight we're going to talk about being a single-bodied being and how that affects us personally, how it affects those that we are in relationship with, and then uh, what that looks like in light of eternity. And so I'm excited. I'm going to start off with uh, scripture and then I'll pray. Then we will get into it. So in Romans 1 uh, verse 25 it says, They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served what has been created instead of the creator who is praised forever. I'm going to read it one more time. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served what has been created instead of the creator who is praised forever. So God, I thank you so much that you are in this room, that you are already moving and working in the hearts of each individual that came. I thank you that you have planned days, months, years in advance for each one of us to be in this room, to be in these seats. So you could speak to us, that you could bring healing and revelation to each heart in this room that you knew that we would be here and we needed to glean something from you. And so I ask that we would be in this room open-handed and open-hearted to trade in the lies that we have believed for the truth of God. I ask that this would be a room that seeks to praise solely the creator instead of the creation, instead of what has been created. So we focus our eyes on you, we focus on heaven, and we allow that to be our guide tonight. We look to the creator um, as we venture in on these next few minutes together. So I ask God that you would give me insight and you would give me clarity, that you would speak to me to speak to your people who you love so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so when you think about singleness, um, it's, all, it's important to go back to the beginning of time. I want to go back and start where we were created. We were created as a single body. We came into this earth as a single being, unless you were a conjoined twin. Um, and if you were, I would love to chat about that because that would be interesting. But we come into earth as a single body. We spend our time here on earth as a single body, we die as a single being, and we go to eternity as a single being. And so it's incredibly important for us to spend time on this tonight. And so when we consider one of the first commandments given to human beings, we come up against one of the most communicated four words, which is to be fruitful and multiply which seems like the opposite of singleness. <laughs> it seems like, well, yes, that should have been for James's message uh, on relationships. But it is one of the first commandments that we are given. And also, later on in Scripture, we see that we are also told that, it is imp- that we should be encouraged to, if we can remain single, be single. And so it starts off with a bit of a contradiction. Do we need to be fruitful and multiply, or do we have freedom to be single? And so what's interesting is these four words from scripture, be fruitful and multiply, have become a foundational basis for marriage and family within multi-religious spheres. With different wording but a similar sentiment. Be fruitful and multiply within the Jewish faith. The new encyclopedia of Judaism states that being celibate and unmarried is deplorable. The Quran encourages singles to find marriage, and in Mormonism, the celestial marriage is the ticket to a higher heaven. And so if you are single, not only do you have to hang out here on earth alone, but you also miss out on a higher heaven for eternity afterwards. And while Christianity aligns with similar values of sexual ethics uh, for family and for marriage, the one distinct difference between Christianity and and its sibling religions is the view of singleness in light of the teachings of Jesus and the post-resurrection life we have the gift of living in. Where to be fruitful and multiply still holds creation beauty in the context of marriage and procreation while also now holding value for spiritual multiplication in the form of discipleship and evangelism. Where being single was once a hindrance to following a divine command given to humanity, it is now seen as a gift to be accepted by some for a period of time and for some for their entire time here on earth. A gift and not a punishment. Singleness, a gift and not a punishment. Just for James, the one non single person in here. Singleness, a gift and not a punishment. <laughs> um, and while most of us in this room will not remain unmarried for our entire time here at Earthside, we will, and many of us currently are, walking out life unmarried currently. The teachings of Jesus for those who are unmarried is of immense value, whether you walk out singleness for a short period of time or for the next few decades. We arrive here as a single body uniquely designed by our creator. We die as a single body and we enter into eternity as a single body restored. The conversation around singleness is one of great value. Especially in our culture now, as the median age for young adults getting married is now at 30.6 years of age for both male and females. So I am expired. (laughs) The... (laughs) Uh, That wasn't even that funny, but thank you. (laughs) (laughs) The length of time that young adults are spending unmarried is increasing with every generation, making us the generation that has experienced walking singleness as a whole the longest thus far in history. If you're in here already married, James, Cody, Levi, a few of you, then consider yourselves lucky because you have already beat the statistic. (laughs) Where the rest of us have to navigate things like college and career and renting or buying a home as a single individual, where previously, in generations past, these life milestones would be accomplished with a partner or a couple. The number of single young adults is increasing, and yet the church statistics don't reflect a similar pattern as the data. Studies show that there is greater presence at a church service across the board, not here, of widowed singles than never married or divorced individuals. There's more widowed singles attending church than those single individuals who have never been married. And additionally... Studies also show that a single individual is half as likely or less to receive leadership roles compared to, their, compared to their married counterparts in a church setting. How many in here have felt less than or less valuable because they are single? I saw a few tiny fingers come up. <laughs> Not a full hand, but... <laughs> How many in here have experienced rejection and watched their confidence dwindle? How many have felt they've missed out on opportunities within the church because they are single? And especially for single women, how many have felt that they've missed out on opportunities within the church? The leadership opportunities for single females is even less than males with the same attributes. And I think all of us can relate to having our value be tied and swayed to another individual, what they think about us, what they say about us, what uh, what promotions we're getting, what job opportunities we're getting. But isn't it kind of heartbreaking and tiring to have our value be so swayed by the thoughts and opinions of another person? I know I am incredibly tired of it. Oh my goodness, I already could cry. (laughs) Because it's this never-ending dopamine cycle where we get a feel-good moment from a friend or a stranger where they give us a compliment, they say something really good about us, they praise you, they praise your work, you did a really great job, and then when those feel-good emotions start to die down, we find ourselves needing another hit, another compliment, another praise, another promotion, another opportunity again. And it's this cycle that just keeps going around and around. And I don't know about you, but I find it extremely tiring. That the value of my body, the value of my being created by the one who created the heavens is still tied to those around me and what they say about me. And I would really rather it wasn't. When we look at scripture back at Adam and Eve, we see that they were both naked and felt no shame. In our original design, we were formed with a lack of shame. A lack of shame internally and a lack of shame in relation to another being. See, our exterior physical nakedness reflected the interior fullness of being fully seen by another as God sees us. Man and woman see and know each other with all the peace of exterior and interior gazes, creating the fullness of interpersonal intimacy and communication on the basis of the communion of persons through a mutual self-gift. Nakedness signifies the original good of God's vision of the pure inherent value humanity was created in. And then after sin, when first sin came in, there was a radical change in the meaning of original nakedness. After sin, there was fear. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. In shame, the human being experiences fear with regard to now his new self that he has discovered. And this is substantial, the substantial fear of his own self. But it also involves An instinctive need for affirmation and acceptance. Where now we are seen and we are ashamed and we are naked, but we also and we want to hide, but we also want to be accepted by another. It's a complex experience that both keeps human beings apart as well as attempts to draw them closer. To desire to be known and be seen, but shame pushes us back and puts up a wall where we are too afraid to be vulnerable and open with one another, and so we take a step back to protect ourselves. Because on one hand, the shame that was brought in works to act as a protection to the individual's where there is guilt and embarrassedness and fear and so shame attempts to act as a protector by pulling an individual back, decreasing intimacy and putting a wall up between male and female. And you can go in and you can say whatever type of defense mechanism or protectiveness that you have for yourself that you go to. Whether it is to pull back or whether it is to hide away. Whether it's to cover yourself in a bunch of clothing. Whether it is to actually do the opposite and out of shame and fear you overcompensate by being a people pleaser and overly nice and trying to get approval by one another but what happens is this push and pull where you desire to be seen and known like we were originally created to be, and this pull back out of fear and shame that tries to draw us back. And I know for myself that is exactly my tactic. My own fear and shame of being seen, especially when it comes to being single and relationships, has pushed me to draw further away and pull back. Because what seems to be much easier is instead of risking being hurt by someone else, what I would do is pull back so that there's no room for another person to hurt me or to um, have a way of causing me pain. I would much rather do it to myself, and I have done it to myself repeatedly over and over by telling narratives in my head, hey, The things that you've done, the things that you've walked through, no one would want to date you, no one would want to spend time with you. And so instead of allowing another individual to hurt me, I pull back and I'm isolating myself, and I would rather hurt myself than risk being hurt by another. But again, it gets so tiring to constantly live in this cycle. And it's just not our design to pull away and isolate from other beings. We are designed to be in close relationships with others. And whether it's ourselves that are hurting ourselves by self-sabotage and pulling ourselves back and not allowing ourselves to try for opportunities, relationships or others, whether it's a promotion or whether it's to step out and to maybe try and join the worship team, whatever it may be, whether we would rather self-sabotage or not give ourselves the opportunity to fail or be hurt or whether we are being hurt by one, by one another. Because we can, we can hurt our own self-confidence by the narratives that we tell ourselves. But I also know that some of us in here are hurt because of the narratives that others have told us. Whether that's a family member that has spoken things over you of your value, and decreased your worth. Whether that's in a relationship that has hurt you, And where you have been abused either verbally or physically. See, our bodies and our beings are ways of interacting with one another. And we have a responsibility to care for one another with the way that we interact with each other. But we know that that's not the reality of everyone's circumstance. We know that that's not everyone's journey. That some are in this room hurting because of the physical, verbal, and actions of another done unto you. And for that, myself and the Lord is so sorry. That your value and the way you see yourself has been diminished by another, because that was not God's design for you. That was not his heart for you, and it's still not. And God has so much healing available for our bodies. We sang about it, there are still miracles happening. Jesus died and was resurrected in a body and in order to restore and redeem our own bodies. We had Cody share a few weeks ago that um, when we pass away, when we are resurrected, that some of us may still carry scars, but they will no longer debilitate us or disable us. We may experience pain and trauma to our bodies here on this side of earth, and we may get healing here on this side of earth, but there is a promise of healing uh, when we are resurrected to heaven. And that the scars that you have walked through, the things that have hurt you and harmed you, and the things that have stolen things from you, that that is not allowed to have authority over your body. The price that was paid for the restoration of our body was the body of our Savior. From creation we were made into a body and in redemption and through the sacrifice of Jesus we are saved by a body. Our body is a way of honoring the gift that Jesus has given us. When we take care of ourselves, when we honor him through the ways that we act towards one another, when we honor him through the ways that we praise him and worship him through our bodies by lifting our hands or kneeling or singing or crying, all of these ways of physical um, acts to honor God happen through a body, not just by thought, not just by belief, not just by faith, but through a physical representation. How we use our bodies is not only an act of honor between God and us, but our body speaks a language that bears witness to those who come into contact with us. It bears witness to the one that we love when we speak words of affirmation, when we love on our neighbors, when we care for them through a hug for someone in need. The language of our body either points towards or away from our Savior. We use our bodies to tell of who God is through interaction with ourselves, with others, and a broader community. Our body speaks the language of our beliefs and values. And it makes room for those who are watching you to ask, why do you do what you do? Your beliefs and your values are seen and made visible to the broader community through the ways that you live. Through the ways that you care for another. Through the ways that you care for yourself. Our single bodies are more than just an outer shell to the true deeper us within us. They are an integrated and integral part of our design. When we worship the Father, we may lift our arms, dance, sing, kneel, but we use physical substrates to vocalize with or without words the position of our heart. Our bodies hold value. They hold value because we were created by our Creator and uniquely designed, and they hold value because they allow us to honor and worship our God. To Him alone and to Him through the ways that we interact with others. The way that we interact with someone in the mundane, at the grocery store, through the drive-thru, on the street, the way that we speak to them um, shows what we believe and value. And when we act with kindness through words or a loving act of service to a stranger, we speak to the belief that each human carries inherent value and we structure our lives around upholding that. We are called to be a community of individuals that shows, with physical demonstration, the love of Jesus to our neighborhood and our community. We also show what we value and believe when it comes to interpersonal relationships, whether in friendships or romantic relationships. Because it doesn't really do us any good to have a belief or a value to believe that we want to wait to have sex until marriage, that we want to wait to honor God with our bodies in the way that we interact with the opposite sex. It doesn't do any good to just believe that or think that. We actually have to physically act upon it through the boundaries that we set up, through the ways that we guard our hearts, and through the ways that we interact with one another. It's not just enough to believe something. Our bodies have to actually act it out. to believe that we honor God by respecting the body he gave us and also the body he gave someone else. If we believe that, then we must uphold ourselves to the standard that results in healthy boundaries between one another and, and beautiful intimacy that reflects the heart of the Father. We honor God's creation by protecting the ones he's created who experience oppression, abuse of their bodies, and more. Our bodies protect one another and lean on one another. We are single-bodied beings in a vast array of other single-bodied beings who we do life with, whether in an intimate way or on the outskirts. It can become easy to believe when you've walked in singleness for a while that you are walking alone. But if you look around yourself right now, you can clearly see you are not walking alone. You are a single body, but you are a single body in a vast array of many single bodies. You are not walking alone. And not just... You know, we do believe you are not walking alone because you're walking with the Holy Spirit and Jesus is with you. Um, But you also are not walking alone because there are people around you. You have community here. And if you don't, we would love to connect with you because you are not meant to walk alone. We are meant to walk in communion with one another. We were designed to live in community. It's a big part of our design to desire relationships and connection with one another um, and to be a big part of a larger family. And there's a challenge there for the church family to invite in singles. Because it's one thing to say, you're a part of the family, but then you go home alone. Or you leave church alone, and you go and you sit in your apartment by yourself. And you experience loneliness, and you're like, we just talked about in church, I'm not alone, but I'm sitting here and I feel so alone. But there's a responsibility of the church to step in and to act as family for one another. Just because you are walking in singleness doesn't mean you have to be lonely or alone. And I know, as someone who is almost thirty-two, uh, this week, <laughs> this week, I've been saying I'm I'm thirty-two for like the last like two weeks. So it's um, I'm being honest up here by saying almost thirty-two. As someone who is almost 32 and who has walked in singleness for a while, um, I can understand the amount of times that I have left a party where all my friends who are married with kids gather together and they go home in cars with one another, with their partners, and I am the only one leaving by myself. And it's easy to feel a pity party, to feel alone alone, to feel like I'm missing out or behind. But I would challenge us in those moments to not allow ourselves to feel alone, to be reminded, A, of the fact that I was just with the community of individuals 30 seconds ago before I got in my car. So I'm really not that alone. But also to remind myself, and a challenge to remind ourselves in those moments where we feel behind or we feel like we're not caught up with the rest of our friends or our peers, To believe and trust in God's good timing. To believe and trust that if you are walking in singleness now, that you are walking in singleness now for a reason and a purpose. And to believe that God's plan is actually the better plan. And I think sometimes that's where we get trapped is we feel lonely and we feel sad because we're, you know, single and we see our friends who are dating and we're like, okay, we're going to work out jealousy and we're going to work out all these other things, which is important. But I would encourage us and urge us to really ask ourselves and to question and challenge ourselves, do we actually believe that God's plan is good? If you have a desire of your heart and maybe it's not to be in a relationship but even another desire of your heart that you are waiting on or a miracle that you are waiting on to believe and trust that if you have not seen it come to pass yet that it is God's greater plan for your life. And I find so much comfort in that knowing that if I am single and if I am called to be single for however long that it is truly God's greater plan. And that becomes harder and harder the longer you wait. But I would encourage you to have a community of friends who can encourage you and challenge you in this area and not allow ourselves to sit in this camp of feeling alone or sad for ourselves. Because that just honestly takes up way too much of our time. There's so many better things to do than to spend our time feeling sad and upset about being single, being sad or upset about not being chosen. It's valid. Those are Honest emotions, I have felt them, as I'm sure most people here have. But let's just not sit there for too long. And I am the queen of like sitting in sadness. So trust me, if I'm saying that, that's a big deal. (laughs) Because I could sit there for a long time. So, (laughs) but that honestly has been the greatest gift to me is that challenge to trust God's timing. And if you do not believe that God's plan for you really is the greatest, that his timing is the best timing, then just talk to him about that. There's no shame in saying, I actually don't believe that being single is the better plan for my life. And hear what he says. Maybe he says nothing. Maybe he gives you a vision or um, reignites a passion that, that he has for you to spend time on. And so in Matthew, the disciples are questioning Jesus on grounds for divorce. And when they think they have trapped him and have cornered him, uh, have cornered Jesus into softening his view on divorce, he responds with a shocking statement using an even more shocking figure. The previously degraded eunuch. And so in Matthew chapter 19 verse 12, it says this, For there are eunuchs who have been so from birth, And there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men. And there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let the one who is able to receive this receive it. The eunuch figure would most closely reflect in our current times an individual identified as intersex who is neither identifiable as male or female for various reasons. And so Jesus mentions three type of eunuchs. We're going to stick with the last one, but the three types that he mentions is the first, one who was born intersex. The second, one who was made intersex by man, which could look like castration or um, crushing of private parts um and thirdly which is the one we're going to focus on lucky me (laughs) and thirdly uh which is the example we'll look at is one who does not get married and who remains single as a spiritual rather than physical rationale it says the third one is a eunuch who has made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven The third category is one, oh yes, I said that. (laughs) A eunuch historically would have been an individual who who would have not gotten married. Due to the inability to procreate, they wouldn't maybe have been a suitable candidate. They couldn't have had children. They wouldn't have had heirs to come after them for the family line. And so therefore, Jesus is referencing an individual who remains single for the kingdom of heaven. Because the historical figure of a eunuch was unable to procreate and remained unmarried, he or she had no lineage or family heirs, meaning that they had no way of planning for their future, making them an incredible symbiotic relationship with the monarchs at the time. The eunuch had no one else to serve or care for as they were a single body. And so they were able to provide undivided loyalty and service to the reigning monarch. And the monarch, in return, provided stability and a future. See, they were fully dependent on the king, and they were fully loyal to serving the kingdom's needs. Jesus is using the figure of a eunuch as a model of what undivided loyalty to and dependency on the king looks like. And Paul echoes a similar statement in 1 Corinthians where he talks about how an unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, where a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world and how he can please his wife. His interests are divided. And so most people hear this uh, verse about being a eunuch for the sake of the kingdom. Those who shall receive it shall receive it. And most people say, no, thanks. <laughs> I would rather not receive that. That is not my calling. Um, that's not me. But the beautiful thing is, is that whether or not you experience being a eunuch for the kingdom for a period of time, or you feel called or God asks you to be one for your entire lifetime, there's an incredible beauty in this level of dependency on the king and undivided loyalty to serve him for the rest of your life, where your interests are not divided. Singleness is this beautiful gift where our time and our devotion can be solely focused on the Lord and where we require, require full dependency on him. It is a time where we are not committed in marriage or parenthood that will require us to divide our time, but we have increased freedom to pursue the things of his kingdom. You can say yes to coming to Tehillah. You can say yes to going to TMS, TYMS. You can say yes to where he calls you. You can drop uh, what you're doing and go And when you are married and have children, those things become a little more challenging. There's a beauty in singleness where there's freedom to serve the Lord at this incredible capacity that becomes more challenging when you include more and more people that you're caring for in your life. What becomes, what starts as an outward, a great outward expression of his kingdom as you get married and have children starts to become a more internal reflection of his kingdom in your home is incredibly beautiful but it's a very different experience and I am not married uh but I am a foster parent as probably everyone in here knows now (laughs) you always see me bopping around with one or two over there during worship (laughs) I don't just bop for fun it's you know to music (laughs) (laughs) But since becoming a foster parent, I have started to understand this great challenge of having to re-understand my time and my capacity. And honestly, in the last little while, it's been, it has been a really hard grievance for me where I had capacity and time to do whatever the Lord asked, where I had capacity and time to serve more, to meet with more youth, to mentor more young adults, to be able to go for more coffee dates and catch up with friends, to be able to drop things out of hat and be there for someone in need, to pursue justice and to pursue the marginalized communities, things that I love and value and things that are such beautiful representations of seeing his kingdom come. And as, I have, and as I have invited these two tiny individuals into my home, I am finding my capacity for outside the home has started to become smaller and smaller. And yes, of course, fostering is an incredible ministry in itself, but there's a grievance of the things I once could do to serve him that are much more challenging to do now. And I believe that there's a special grace for parents and for families. It's a beautiful representation of the heart of the father for family. And that, you know, especially right now, I have two littles, uh, one and six. And so they take a lot of my time. Um, And I know that this is just a season of time. Um, But it does require a lot more attention at home than outside the home. And family is beautiful, and procreation creates the next generation, which is incredibly important. We are all here because of uh, family or procreation. (laughs) Well, procreation. Your families could look different. (laughs) However... The beautiful thing is, in the Old Testament, when we were asked and called to be fruitful and multiply, and where many believed that being fruitful and multiply, being married and having children, was what allowed you into the kingdom of heaven, which is what gained you points in heaven, that now family is beautiful and it's important, but it is not a requirement to enter the kingdom of heaven. You being single doesn't diminish your ability to receive restoration and reconciliation with the Father. You being single doesn't mean you're not going to heaven and you don't have the same um, gifts that God wants to give you. You being single doesn't mean that God is holding things back from you. We will all, followers of Jesus, find ourselves standing in front of the one who created us. And we will be asked what we have done with our time and with our lives. And we will be required to be accountable for what we have done. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to get to heaven and stand in front of the one who created me and the one who saved me and who saved my soul. I don't want to stand in front of them and be asked, why, what did you do with your life? And I said, well, I did this and this. And they'd say, well, what did you do with all these years in between? And I have to account and explain that while I was waiting for a partner, I was waiting for someone to stand beside me, I was waiting to not be single, or I was upset that I was single. And so I spent time wallowing and being sad and sitting around and waiting for you to find a partner for me to do these things with. I do not want to stand there and have to account for the time that I did not seek his kingdom and did not seek for his kingdom to come right now right here with the resources that i have so that is a reason for fostering for saying yes even without a partner i always thought that i would want to foster one day i always thought that i would you know well i'm not going to try and guilt trip you but you know there's kids without homes how can you say no you know and so how could i not want to invite a child in But I thought I would do it with a partner. And I just felt the Lord say one day very quietly, very kindly, well, why not now? And I thought, well, I could tell you a million reasons why not now. I live in an apartment. It is tiny. (laughs) Uh, I'm by myself. Um, I don't know how it's going to work. And I just felt this tiny nudge still. Well, why not now? And the band can come back up if they don't mind, my sweet friends. to be fruitful and multiply exists and is available for you right now. It is not just a command for the married individuals in the room, but for each one of us as a disciple of Jesus, to disciple other followers and non-followers of Jesus, to play our part in seeing his kingdom come. Be fruitful and multiply applies to all of us. And the really beautiful thing is, if what we talked about before, where shame has come in and where shame maybe tries to tell you that you are not capable or you are not worthy or you are not valuable, that in this example where Jesus uses a eunuch to identify and be the role model for what it looks like, to serve wholeheartedly and undividedly, what he has done is not only given us a beautiful picture But Jesus has also found it fitting to appeal to the figure of the eunuch in respect to the marriage question simply because now the eunuch is a redemptive figure. He is one who, according to Isaiah, has been given new hope of being restored into the eschatological covenant family of God and who will be given an inheritance within God's house and a city with an eternal name better than sons and daughters. There is redemption available for all of us. In our bodies, in our experiences, and in the ways that evil tries to steal your value, to change the narrative of who God created you to be. You are uniquely and purposefully made. That has not changed that has not changed based off of what someone else has said about you, that has not changed based off of what you say about yourself, that has not changed about what people have done to you, about rejection or experiences that you've had where people have hurt or harmed you, that does not change. You are made with a purpose and you are inherently valuable. One, because you were made by our creator and one, because you were redeemed and bought by the savior of Jesus, our savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. That has not changed and that will not change. In Luke chapter 11, it says this. A woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts at which you nursed. But Jesus said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. To be blessed is found in hearing the word of God and keeping it. True blessing is not found in physical family or in uh, how many people wanna date you or ask you out or how long you've been single, although Family and partnership is incredible and beautiful, but true blessing looks like standing righteously before a righteous God and sharing in the community of the saints in an internal inheritance before his throne. In light of eternity, would you consider what you want your life to stand for? Whether you are single here on earth for a short season or for a long season, I would ask that you would value that time that you would use it to see his kingdom come, that you would ask to be made purposeful and useful because God has plans for you. And if you feel less than or not valuable, there's so much value in asking him, God, what do you want me to do in this season? Would you refocus my attention on you and on your kingdom? Because what I want and what I desire out of my time here on earth, I wanna lay that down at your feet because I wanna see your kingdom come instead. And so whatever that looks like, would you give me purpose? Would you give me vision? Would you help me to see what I'm supposed to do or who I'm supposed to care for in this time and in this season? God will give you vision for what he's doing in your life. Because I believe that God's plan for you is best. And so if you are currently walking single, I believe it's his best plan. Whether to work something out in you, to heal something that you've experienced, whether it's to heal something in you so you do not wound someone else, or whether it's to be used in a way that would be more challenging and difficult than if you were married, or had a family. Singles are a beautiful gift to the church with our time and our resources to care for our community. And I know sometimes it doesn't seem like singles are the most valued individuals in church where families and marriages are kind of highlighted and put on a pedestal where families and where married individuals may get more leadership opportunities or get more um, yeah, opportunities handed to them to serve. But being a single, if it is valued by Jesus, it should be valued by our church. And so I'd love to spend time going into a ministry time. I would love to invite our prayer team up at the front. Yeah. Because as we go into ministry time, I want to ask you a few questions to consider. How will you spend this gift of time here on earth as a single body being? What will you accomplish for the kingdom, for his glory? Will you trust that God's plan is greater than yours for your life, that there's purpose behind his timing? Will you trust that his timing is perfect? And if you are single in this season, that it is his better plan. And so I ask, that if there are some of you in this room who are struggling being single or being in your own body, who feel that you have had trauma or pain either done to you or that you have done unto yourself, I ask that you would come up to the front for miracles and healing to take place in your body because it's not just for in eternity, but we believe for miracles in bodies right now here today. I ask that if you have lost hope for the desires of your heart, for things that you are passionate about or waiting on, that if you need a reigniting of things that God has placed on you as something that you would desire to see come to pass, instead of laying it down out of fear or frustration or laying it down out of feeling like you've waited too long or the moments pass, I ask that you would come to the front for prayer. Those who need prayer or encouragement for resources or sources of family, we invite you to come up. If you're walking single and you feel alone, we would love to pray with you and we would also love to connect you to a community. And those who need to be empowered to walk a single life well, to help to navigate the grieving process of where you thought your life would be and where it is now, we ask that you would come to the front for prayer that we can pray that your vision would be renewed to glorify him and to be focused on seeing his kingdom here on earth. Through the lens of the pain of feeling alone, through the lens of feeling rejected, that you would still be able to focus on his kingdom here on earth. And lastly, for those who need a renewed faith in the goodness of God's plan for our lives, I ask that you would come forward for prayer. God, I thank you that only you know the depths and pain of the hearts of the individuals that are here, the emptiness and the loneliness that they have walked through in terms of relationships and connection with individuals. So I thank you that you are already in that place. The depths that we maybe are closed off to or are afraid to open up to, I thank you that you are already there and there is so much freedom and there is so much um, covering to be able to open that up to you and allow you in. God, I thank you. For the examples that have gone before me to show me what it looks like to live out and walk a beautiful single life with one who walks with hope and faith for your plans and for the desires of our heart to come to pass, for the ones who have never questioned your faithfulness and your goodness in our lives, I thank you for the ones that have gone ahead. And I pray that you would bring someone or multiple people for the community here in this room to be an example of what it looks like to live out and walk out a beautifully single life where there is no reflection of loneliness or missing pieces where there's no reflection of less than or not enough that we would see individuals who walk out singleness with beauty and with wholeness and restoration that we would see them live out walking out your kingdom here on earth would we see more and more examples of this Would you highlight these individuals? Would you give them spaces to be able to communicate about what it looks like to walk in communion with you with solely the desire to see your kingdom come? Would we be a community that lays down our desires for our own lives and not just a community that sings about it, but a community that truly does it? Where you say, and if you ask us to walk out the rest of our lives, the next 60, 70 years that we are here on earth that we will say okay because we desire more to see your kingdom come that we know that we have an eternity to look forward to and that this time here on earth is just a moment, a blip in time compared to eternity. And so we ask that we would be, that a revelation would happen within us where eternity is our focus. And so time here on earth we know is short and fleeting and so we will not... Spend our times with our own desires for our lives, but for your desire for our lives, for your desire for our community, and for your kingdom to come. We truly do desire your kingdom here on earth and for you to be glorified. And if that looks like walking out a single life, then we say yes for however long you ask us to. Because your kingdom matters more than our desires for our lives. And so we lay it all down in Jesus' name.